This is Cloud Innovators, the podcast series keeping CIOs on the straight and narrow with their cloud journeys and debunking myths and misconceptions along the way. In this episode, we'll be looking at how a CIO can build a cloud strategy and roadmap for their organization. Once it's been accepted at board level that your business could gain advantage by leveraging cloud technologies, it's time to put together a cloud strategy to ensure that your business objectives are front and center as the cloud rollout begins. There are a lot of decisions to make. There are budgets to draw up, timescales to agree upon, and hybrid and multi-cloud models have to be carefully considered. Then there is the small matter of choosing between an array of different strategies, especially in the public cloud. For me, the public clouds are like going into a restaurant. Some public clouds actually let you in the kitchen with the chef to cook the meal. Other public clouds make you sit in the restaurant with the waiter with the menu item to decide what you want to eat. And other clouds actually make you wait at the front door before you come into the restaurant. Nick McGuire is VP for Enterprise Research at CCS Insight, a technology market intelligence firm. Cloud is no longer kind of an all or nothing proposition oriented around the public cloud. You know, it's very much now evolved to becoming this fabric of computing capability and services that exist across on-premises environments and infrastructure, across the public cloud, and increasingly towards, you know, the network edge. And I think an aggregate across that isn't necessarily saying, okay, we're going to outcompete you in AI and machine learning or in one area of this stack. It's actually we're going to compete in how we can provide consistency, flexibility, and above all, I think, you know, economics across that environment And I think that's a great thing for customers because it's a lot of innovation. There's a lot of things that they can they can leverage. Of course, the flip side of that is the complexity and how you how you navigate all that complexity. Gaurav Mata, VP and European leader for IBM Services for Cloud Strategy, has helped a number of clients navigate their way through cloud strategy. He believes a cloud partner can be crucial when it comes to making sense of the myriad options. So when a client is looking at how should they choose what clouds to pick in a very hybrid and multi-cloud manner, the key requirement from our clients is how they can now build mission-critical applications once and then run them on all leading public clouds, AWS, Azure, uh, Google, Alibaba, IBM Cloud, and also uh, private clouds. Because they want to build once and have the ability to deploy it where they need to. What we do is that we provide them with certified and uh, containerized solutions, which will help them decide which platform they should select, but also help them through identity management, through security, monitoring and logging, how they can improve the visibility and have better control of cloud across their complex environment. And of course, there are also as-a-service models to consider, where you look for parts of your cloud integration to be delivered as a service. Choosing between these models is central to any cloud strategy. As-a-service models are gaining a lot of attention. Clients obviously want to optimise the as-a-service and move to a consumption-based model as they are moving from CapEx to OpEx. 
Uh, and there are different options they can select. For example, they could just have infrastructure as a service or have platform as a service or move all the way to software as a service and even business process as a service. Now, in selecting what application is best suited for running and in which type of as a service model, there are a few factors that need to be considered. Number one is what is the transformation ability that you need? Secondly, it depends on how much transformation can you undergo at a time. You may also do it incrementally where you start with infrastructure as a service and then move up the value chain, especially where you have existing package solutions like Salesforce or Workday or SAP. Those sort of applications are most suited to go into a software as a service as type solutions. Well, let's go back to our CIOs who we met last time. Alex Farr, currently CIO of Strictly Education, has worked on a number of cloud migrations, including a particularly tricky one for Monarch Aircraft Engineering, who had gone into administration. But why cloud? Why now? I see an opportunity with the cloud to be able to meet the demands of our sort of evolving workforce. We've been lucky in our personal lives to be exposed to affordable technology now, which is, uh, you know, on demand and accessible anywhere. And I think that the business and the workforce are now expecting exactly the same thing, um, exactly the same experience that they experience when they're at home. And experiences that where I currently work, we just wouldn't be able to give them moving the right applications and the right services to the cloud will allow us to maintain the barriers that we need to maintain from a security and governance perspective, but give our users that flexibility. It really sort of empowers the end users, I think, and can drive some of those efficiencies. I see uh, some of the hidden benefits, uh, things like business continuity as well, actually. So we want to become less reliant on uh, any particular site or any particular data center and be able to say, well, actually, we've, we've got this issue here today. It's not a problem. You know, we can, we can allow our workforce to work from anywhere and just continue in the same way. We don't want to be bound by time. You know, the, the days of office hours are changing. People want to be able to work at a time which suits them, you know. And I think technology is a key enabler. And for us, the cloud is that key enabler. But with a plethora of public cloud options available to CIOs, including multi-cloud, how do you decide between them? Fatima Mahad is the former director of operations and technology at UCAS, which started its cloud journey after a very public system failure on A-level results day in 2011. The decision on how and what multi-cloud strategy to use was really driven by the applications that needed focus. So we defined a program that we called Core to Cloud, and this was about essentially shifting the applications that were student-facing and universities and colleges to the cloud. So the focus then became about, well, how do we manage the risk of ensuring that that doesn't really sit with just one supplier? Track, which was the student-facing systems, um, we adopted Microsoft Azure cloud technologies for that. And then the services, the link products that are facing the universities and colleges, we adopted Amazon Web Services, um, AWS cloud infrastructure solutions for that. And, and risk was a, a primary factor. Alex Denley is the Deputy Director of Innovation and Transformation at London South Bank University, who are currently in the middle of their own cloud transformation. Before deciding on their multi-cloud strategy, LSBU did a thorough assessment of their existing IT estate. What was cloud ready? What could immediately go over to cloud? 
Uh, what could be migrated to software as a service? What was a cloud candidate but actually needed a bit of modernization and maintenance but um, could effectively be moved over to cloud? And out of that, those findings, what was always going to have to remain on-premise? Uh, and that was inevitable. We always knew we'd probably have a hybrid model. So we wanted to make the advantages of the, all the three primary big cloud providers and the development suites, containers, and all the other bits that come with those. But we weren't going to be rushed into doing so. We also, on the flip side, were aware of where cloud technology was right now. Actually, forget where it was actually located, but what was the actual technology that delivered cloud? So once you've decided on your multi-cloud partners, the next step is to decide what data and applications to move first and how. Here's Fatima Mahad again. In the UCAS case, it was more around customer need. It wasn't, you know, about revenue generation or digital transformation at the time. It was just which applications failed and didn't work on A-level results day, almost, you know, described as mission-critical applications. And these then became the applications that we decided to move. There was also a consideration about whether, you know, you do a complete lift and shift of the applications or whether you replicate some of those data um, still on, on premise. And in the initial phases, so in the first few years, we still had a cloud master data set, if you will, but we also retained an in-house data master, which replicated what was happening in the cloud to also on premise until there was a degree of comfort about the performance and uh, scalability of these services. We started with some of the low-risk stuff. Alex Farr again. So what can we put into the cloud as a proof of concept? So the, the, the standard type stuff, you know, let's get some storage up there. Let's migrate our Exchange mailboxes and use Office 365. Some of the applications which we knew would play well in a cloud environment and which we could turn to other people if, if, if something had gone wrong. With some of our bespoke development, it's difficult to get advice and, and understand, you know, where, where's the, the, the watches and gotchas. But with some of the standard type products, it really became a, a no-brainer for us. Here's Alex Denley from LSBU. Some of these softwares and applications were ready for cloud immediately. We had some cloud candidates uh, and we had some of these apps that needed to remain on-premise. I think it's safe to say uh, where we are right now is in terms of the immediate candidates that can go across. It was around roughly around 20% that were cloud fit. 60% were cloud candidates but need some modernization. And 20% would always remain on-prem. So the immediate candidate, the obvious one is the 20% that can be moved across. That's our first focus and we're in the process of doing so. The cloud candidates that need some modernization, we're going for a series of prereqs right now, hence why we're running on the hyper-converged as allowing us to actually uplift um, and upscale some of these products, get them onto the latest versions, also taking in some considerations in terms of the way they've been architected in the first instance that will now enable us in a programme to actually start migrating those workloads across over the next 12 to 24 months. Alex Farr thinks budgeting a cloud move is a hard ask, which means there's a risk of underestimating the long-term costs. One of the things to sort of bear in mind when you move into the cloud is a lot of it is very difficult to budget for. There's a lot of moving parts, especially around, you know, storage and stuff like that. A lot of it is unknown. Um, a lot of it is difficult to price up because you're moving to a model where you're building either to scale up or scale down. You don't quite know what some of your future costs might be. Many migrations end up going over budget. That's no secret. 
But Gora from IBM believes it is possible to foresee this and mitigate against. The cost consideration is an important element because a lot of transformation to cloud, the infrastructure and the application and data requires investment. Uh, and sometimes clients are concerned about making the upfront investment. In a lot of business cases we are built for the clients, we have helped them by also identifying areas where they could eliminate costs. The best way to save costs is to eliminate. And there's a lot of redundancy, especially uh, a lot of large multinational companies which have grown through acquisitions. They have fragmented application and infrastructure. And there's a huge potential to rationalize or decommission some of their applications and infrastructure, which gives them uh, quick wins and which gives them initial cost savings that can then be plowed into transforming and modernizing their applications. Moving to the cloud gives you a lot of flexibility in terms of being able to grow your infrastructure with the organization, but it also requires a lot of flexibility in the budget, therefore. And as you you, you scale up because you've got a project that you're working on, your budget needs to be able to reflect that and, and grow with you you get the benefits the other way in the situation that we're in because actually as we decommission services, we then reduce the budget and the cost in the cloud as well. Security is another concern. And of course, different industries have different security requirements. Here's Gaurav again. Security is of paramount significance. And depending on the industry you are in, like we see clients who are in the regulated industries like pharmaceutical, uh, like uh, financial services, we see that they would probably expect close to 60% of their workload to remain in private cloud and the rest going to public cloud. And other industries which are not as regulated like financial services would probably see around about 60 to 70% of their workload going to public cloud and the rest remaining on private cloud. So absolutely, security, data privacy are you know, a number one concern for a lot of organizations in terms of accelerating the crowd transformation. But there are other fears for businesses too. CCS Insights' Nick Maguire. Part of the challenge that companies consistently kind of list is around you know, reflecting a little bit of the fear of, okay, if I put all my eggs in one basket, what are the risks associated with that type of decision? So, you know, a good example is I was speaking to a big German pharmaceutical company fairly recently, and, you know, there is a real fear that given the the geopolitical environment today, what is to stop a major administration or a government to kind of really go after a specific, you know, one of these big tech companies? And what would be the risks associated with our business if we were in that cloud 100%? You're seeing hesitancy. And that means that to an extent, I think customers aren't really getting enough value and are probably not even taking advantage of a lot of the technology and innovation that is coming out of these major service environments today. And so that hesitancy is understood and it's justifiable. But the flip of that has meant that I feel that, you know, cloud today is still very much a technical proposition. And the companies that have expressed be a little bit of a kind of move beyond a little bit of that hesitancy and have gone a little bit deeper and have oriented around saying, okay, look, I'm, this isn't just IT transformation that we're looking through here. We're, 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 trying to, we're trying to try the entire business transformation piece. You tend to find some of those companies that are looking at that complete transformation effect tend to be getting more value in my opinion, comparative to the companies that are are looking at it on individual workloads or specific lift and shift type of technical-based requirements today. 
Alex Denley believes that there's a great deal of external support available for companies that do want to take on major cloud projects. In terms of getting a physical presence set up on the public cloud platforms, what we have done is work with actually partners that have been recommended us to via the public cloud providers to build in crash course kind of training sets for the engineers, but also understanding and realisation from a financial perspective in terms of the different financial models that work with those public cloud providers. And what we've done is in terms of the partnership with these vendors who've been recommended by the public cloud providers is effectively kind of hand-holding exercise in terms of the first migrations of workloads that move across. They will work with us in the first instance, not only to migrate those workloads across so that the engineers understand how to do it, but outside outlining best practice from the outset. Uh, in addition to that, we also had to get them to assist us in terms of architecting those environments to coordinate from an operational perspective in conjunction with the hyperconverged technology that we have on premise so that everything flowed correctly from the beginning. Alex Farr found help a little closer to home. When we were planning to move to the cloud, sometimes CIOs or, or, or IT leaders can feel quite isolated. Actually having a network that you can lean on of peers becomes really valuable. And it may not even be from understanding their experiences. It may be just bouncing ideas off them. Uh, they may see it in a different way. They may think about it in a different way. And I found that personally really useful. Defining success is also a key part of any cloud strategy. Fatima Mahad again. One of the ways to measure success around whether your cloud migration has worked is one coming back to the original business intent, you know, why you wanted to address these issues. So um, using UCAS's example, it's around did we cope with the scale and the demand that we expected, for example, on A-level results day? If we had issues, were we able to fail over to other data centers? Have we managed to reduce our total cost of ownership? Have we addressed any security risks, etc.? So I would say one way is to revisit your original strategic intent, but then also maybe looking at what other benefits have you had? Do you have an improved customer satisfaction result? And can that be linked back to, for example, you adopting cloud technologies in this case? Also, have you created new assets and value that the organization can leverage for other benefits? So, for example, for revenue generation or for, you know, integration of other data assets. So what success looks like in cloud transformation programs depends on the clarity of deliverables that you have defined with the business. So, for example, if you have built a new application in X number of days, I don't think that's really success. The success is in the users accepting it and actually using that application into day-to-day work. So the adoption rate of the new solutions you have built is absolutely the, the key success criteria as opposed to saying, yes, you did deliver something on time and budget, but if it's not being used in the business, then actually it's not a successful product. And of course, cloud strategies need to be frequently reviewed. I had a conversation with another university of a similar size and scale not only long ago. They wrote a cloud strategy back in November 2018. They've already started rewriting it again because the rate is changing. I think traditionally CIO would write a five-year strategy, and I think that's important to try and have those, those milestones and ambitions. But on a cloud strategy, um, anything more than 12 months, you're going to be revisiting it. And I think that's the rate we're going. It's so exciting. It's so evolutionary. And it's just changing rapidly. 
We absolutely learned that we need to keep refining our strategy and keep reflecting on lessons learned and building that into then the next iteration of the journey, the cloud journey that we were going on. And also the lessons learned were being applied to other aspects because track and the link services being migrated to the cloud first because they were absolutely mission critical. But then it became, okay, well, now the teacher training scheme also needs to be migrated. So the journey did continue. And the idea, the intent was that all the customer-facing services will eventually be hosted on the cloud. So with each iteration, you learn something from it that is either improving that specific service or you're taking the lessons learned and applying it to the next service that you're going to migrate. And what about this cloud strategy in terms of long-term business planning? For the moment, I feel that many of the decisions are short-term, okay? Um, And they're orienting around specific application projects, specific developer requirements, or specific workloads that the organization wants to migrate to the cloud. And I feel that that will continue because there are still a lot of technical considerations around specific workload areas for cloud that companies have to go through. But I feel that over time, and this is where I feel it'll be interesting to see whether companies will start to shift in their preference from, you know, having multiple providers in their environment, almost as a you know, workload by workload decision-making and vetting the cloud providers on those parameters versus going actually more deeply with a single preferred cloud. But I think that over time, we'll start to see more higher order decisions around cloud provider and cloud services selection that are more attached to business outcomes and business solutions for the company overall. And just before we go, here's the best advice LSBU's Alex Denley has got for fellow CIOs. Don't rush. I think understand your landscape, understand your environment in as much as you can in its entirety. Forecast budgetary perspectives and bring the people along with you. That's it for this episode of Cloud Innovators. Next time, we'll be taking the all-important next step on our cloud journey. The actual migration process alongside testing and optimising cloud deployment post-migration. What we hadn't taken into consideration is that some of our users, they like to have a physical phone, they like to have something that they can hold, something they can pick up, something they can hear ring. And actually, some of them just wanted to have a phone on the desk that they picked up. Until then... 